Genesis chapter 2. I'm so glad you're here. And again, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. I'm going to, I'm going to make a statement that I, I think every mother here is going to like what I say. And when you hear this statement, I am convinced that if you are a mom, you're going to hear this statement and you're going to think, I agree. In fact, you're going to hear this statement and you're going to say, I really cannot think of any context where that is not a good saying. Ready for the statement? And imagine, imagine you walk into a room and your kids are talking and all of a sudden you just hear one of them say this. Before mom, things weren't right. That's the saying. Before mom, things weren't right. I think you would like that. I mean, if you came in, if you're a mom and you walked in and your kids are talking and one of them said, you know, before mom, things were not right before she heard about this or whatever. I mean, think about that. Before mom found out about it or before mom stepped in, things were not right. Well, the title of the message today is Before Mom, Things Weren't Right. But I want you to think about that for a minute. Because there's different contexts, you know. If, if you're saying, well, before mom found out about it, things were not right. And then mom came and said it straight, right? Or you'd say, you know, well, before mom got involved, things weren't right. But there's also other ways to look at it. You could say, well, before mom came along, things weren't right. Which, then you'd have to think, okay, well, maybe you're talking about your stepmother. You know, and, and now she's your mom, and it was when she came in, because frankly, if you and I are saying before mom came along, we weren't even in existence, right? I mean, before my mom came along, I, was, I wasn't even here, and you too. So what kind of a saying is that? Before mom came along, things were not perfect, I'm not talking about our immediate mom. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20, because this is what I'm talking about. And by the way, if you've been brought up and, and embrace the popular view of evolution, and you have been trained to think that the Bible is filled with fairy tales, and the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve are all just cutesy little stories, but they're certainly not how things started. Well, you, you and I are going to have some disagreements. And there's so many people today that reject the premise that of, of Genesis chapters 1, 2, 3, the creation of the world. There's so many people that have embraced an evolutionary mentality that you know the events of genesis chapters one two and three that didn't really happen that's just that's just a, a myth but you know when jesus talked about that he didn't talk about it as a myth in fact those of you that it's so funny that people that have embraced the you know we come from monkeys 
will hear a message like this and will mock the things that I say. They'll hear me talk about Adam and Eve. And they'll laugh. They'll say, oh, this preacher is so naive. He, he actually thinks that there was an Adam and Eve and this whole world started this way. Yeah, he does. But before you reject that, I want to challenge you to step back for a minute, maybe from your own arrogancy, and just imagine if I was right. Imagine that we all did descend from one couple, like the Bible says. Imagine that it's not a fairy tale. Imagine it is reality. By the way, folks, the science is there. There's a new book that came out called, um, it's called uh, Traced. It's a DNA expert. Uh, it's, it's, uh, in fact, it's called Human DNA's Big Surprise by, by Nathaniel Jensen. And uh, in the blurb, he calls it the Rosetta Stone of Human History, DNA. And some interesting things that they're learning about DNA that indicate that, you know what? It's pretty clear that we all do descend from the same ancestors. But the, there's some people that are so off their radar that they couldn't even imagine that. And so they look at, they'll look at me and they'll hear me preach and they'll, they'll snicker like, this guy really thinks that there was an Adam and an Eve. So let me just submit to you, would you at least for a minute step back and consider what if, what if there really is an Adam and Eve? What if these events actually happened? Because I submit to you, they did. So when I talk about mom, I'm not talking about Betty Lyon, who is my mom. I'm not even talking about my, my grandma, Lulu Mauser, or Catherine Lyon. I'm not talking about my grandmoms. I'm going way back. I'm talking about our mom, Eve. You see, there's some things I want to share in the scriptures today about the importance of our mother, Eve. And how, in fact, let me give you the outline. <laughs> We're going to see three things today, if I can get through. Number one, the progression of the human race. I'll explain a little bit about Genesis chapter 1. I'll just share this now. Genesis chapter 1 is a synopsis of the six days of creation. And they are presented not as myth, but as actual reality. 24-hour days. And then chapter 2, what chapter 2 does, it goes back to day 6, which is a very important day. And then it fleshes out what happened on day 6, when man was created. And we are going to see, folks, and here's what I want, I want to convey what the Bible teaches. It's not like God created man and he was the crowning work of his power. 
And then, then he needed someone to entertain the man, so he created Eve. Now, you know what? When God created mankind, he's not just talking about Adam, folks. It was Adam and Eve. Both of them are mankind. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the progression of the human race. Then we're going to see the process of demonstrating needs. In other words, when you and I look at chapter 2, it can almost sound like God's trying to figure it out. You know, okay, I create a man. Ah, it's not good for man to be alone. All right, let's whip up some animals here. We'll give them the animals. And Adam, you name them. He's like, okay. Ah, that didn't work. Still not right. All right, let's try a woman, you know, and as if God is, you're just trying to figure it out. That's not the way it is. But it's laid out this way specifically for a purpose. Because God is letting us know, and folks, this is foundational to society. If this is really how it all began, this is foundational to how God created us and understanding the importance of the man and the woman. And I submit to you, before mom came along, it wasn't complete. It wasn't perfect. In fact, it wasn't good. Because the human race said it wasn't done yet. It was only after God created Eve that it was good. And we're going to see, if we have time, um, that the product is defined in the New Testament. Jesus articulates very clearly that... We were created in his image. And we're not talking about, again, man, the crowning glory, and woman, an afterthought. No, man, male and female, created in the image of God. So let's jump in, and uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 2. And by the way, in Genesis chapter 2, it is the, instit- it's the founding of marriage. Genesis chapter 2. And it's giving us the the details of the six days of creation. Look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. The Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So God created first Adam. And by the way, when Jesus talked about this, and the New Testament writers talked about this, they talked about it, folks, as not a story but reality. And it's amazing how the scientific community dismisses the creation arguments and the Bible believers who are scientists that clearly have articulated how this can be so. And there's so many people that won't even hear them out. They, have, they, they go in with presuppositions, they're like, you know what, this world is millions of years old. The Bible's a fairy tale. Adam and Eve were not the first couple. And so they won't even hear you out. And they, and they wouldn't even... There's so many books out there. Uh, with the fossils, with DNA, with so many things that science confirms the Bible. So, verse 17. Uh, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the, Lord, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. 
For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now look at verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Take note of that, folks. Creation, the human race, he wasn't done. It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet or fit for him. And then again, this is not God trying to figure it out. But it's interesting, the very next step is something that so many of you are really glad that God did. Verse 19, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. If the Bible's true, and if this is how this whole world came to pass, this is how mankind, men, women were created, this is how the animal kingdom came, if this is real, I want you to understand that God created animals to be a blessing to us, to meet a need. Those of you animal lovers can thank God for little Trixie or Frisky or Mittens or Kittens or Jerby. I had a gerbil I called Jerby. But folks, that, that is the goodness and the blessing of God. You know, pets are such a blessing, aren't they? I, I'm, I had a group chat with a couple pastor friends of mine who are, were anticipating uh, getting together at a conference coming up. And one of, my, one of my pastor friends sent the rest of us a text and asked us to pray for one of, these, one of the men that was going to go, but now he can't go to the conference. And he listed, he said he's, all these things happen, he's got some heart issues, and then he pulled a muscle or something, and then he topped it off with this. And he said, uh, he has been in a lot of pain. And to top it off, his 15-year companion, Gus, his faithful dog, had to be put down on Monday, and this tore him up. My heart breaks for my friend. 15 years. By the way, some of you know Pastor Dave Natale, dear friend of mine. You pray for him. Gus. That's tough. It's tough to lose a pet. But you know, so, so many times, if we lose sight, if we, if we reject the Scriptures, then we lose sight of where this goodness comes from. You see, if you appreciate pets and you appreciate animals, don't forget that God is the one who gave you this blessing. I remember Ray Comfort, evangelist. I love, I've shared this before. <laughs> he used to come home from work. And every dad, this is, this is one of the best things of being a dad. When your kids are young, you, you come home, and all of a sudden, out of every corner, Daddy's home! And the kids come running up to you, and they jump, and they hug you. And I remember doing that with my dad. We'd be like waiting by the front window, the bay window. About 5 o'clock, my dad worked for Pico. And every day, we'd look for him to come home. And it's like, 
And, and you know, one would be the lookout. He's not here yet. Oh, is that him? No, that's not him. And then he'd come in and it's a big deal. I miss those days. Now, I've got to be careful because now my kids are going to, like, come running up to me and jump on me. Oh, daddy, daddy. And, and I'm going to die. <laughs> but um, so Ray Comfort shares the story that he used to have that. That happened all the time. And he loved it. And then one day he bought a television set for his kids. And he, and he gave it to them. And then he noticed all of a sudden, he's coming home from work. And there's no kids. He's like, wait a minute, what, what's going on? And he found out the kids are all, they're all glued to the TV. And, and here he is, and I love the way, he, I can just see him say, he's like, wait a minute, I'm the one that gave you this gift. I am the, you know, I'm, I'm the beneficent one. And now you're directing the attention to the TV instead of me? And he threatened his kids. If you don't start showing me some affection, I'm taking that TV away, you know. But I love that, get, I love that example because so many times, in fact, uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 25 tells us that there are people who have changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. You know, a lot of people... Instead of looking at the, the things that God created and appreciating Him, every good and every perfect gift comes from above, we take our eyes off the giver and we fixate the created thing. So when you, when you see how things unfolded, God blessed us with the animal kingdom. That is God's gift to you. Don't ever forget that. When I think of Gus, my friend's dog, I, I don't know if I ever met Gus. I think I might have once or twice. But every time I talked to my dear friend, Pastor, he would always call me when he was walking do the dog. And um, I, my heart aches for him. you know. And I'm going to be praying for him. Because dogs have become very precious to me. The bummer about having a dog is you get so close to him, and those stinking things don't live as long as you do. Why? You know, why can't the dogs live longer than we do? You know what I mean? Now you've got to go through this. But again, it's God's goodness. So, next. First we see the progression of the human race. So God creates these animals and gives them to, to Adam. And then in, in Genesis chapter... Two again, let me go back there, Genesis chapter 2. So in verse 18, it's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him help me. So this is what compelled him initially to create the animal kingdom, to meet a need. And Adam gave names to all the cattle. And in verse 20 it says, but, last part of verse 20, but for Adam... There was not found and help meet or fit for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Folks, this is not a, a fairy tale. If the God of heaven can take the dust of the ground and create a man... 
Can't he do this? And now look at verse 23. This is, this is exciting. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, in the Hebrew, as you know, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And uh, I, I did not know this. But I'm seeing all these sources are confirming this. What I read recently is that there is an emphasis in the Hebrew on the three words. This is now. Conveying the idea that Adam was saying, at last, or finally, this really is perfect. Now get a, get a hold of this. See, God has created, and this is, God just finished creating the human race. He was not done. And it's like, as, as he's going through this progression, you know, Adam checks out all the animals, donkey, zebra, okay, check, check, we'll name them. Eh, something's still missing. And then God creates the woman and brings him to Adam. And he's like, wow, this is it. This is it. Finally, this is it. So before mom came along, it was not perfect. It was not good that man should be alone. And the human race was not completed after Adam was, was created, folks. It's only part of the picture. And it was when God created Eve that the human race was completed. In fact, Adam very clearly uh, was excited about it. And, and let me read to you something. This is an interesting thing that I read. It's a different take. When he called her Eve, and that's what I mean when I, I shared that verse, he called her Eve because she is the mother of all living. By the way, this is a sidelight, and I'm not sure if, you're reading too much into it by saying this, but it's possible. You know how people really speculate, is there life on other planets? Hmm. Well, I already know that the Bugs Bunny version of the Martian guy, I know, that I know that's not true now, but what about other planets? Somebody said this, that wait a minute. If there is life on other planets, the Bible makes it very clear that Eve is the mother of all living. Indicating, if that's the case, that there isn't life on other planets. We are unique in that we are created in the image of God. You know, we have so many people here. I'm ignoring Mr. Kerr and Mambetta. And I just realized that, so forgive me. Mambetta, you forgive me? Okay, she's looking at me. <laughs> she doesn't want any attention. So anyway, here's the point now. So Adam is saying... And it's been debated because the Greek, the Hebrew word chava, uh, or the Greek word zoe. So if it it's been debated whether this name is the substantive of life, because that the word Eve means breath or life. So if you if you look in baby names for books for for babies, baby girls, the word the word Eve means breath or life. And so it's been debated. Is this the substantive, the Greek Old Testament uses the word for life, 
or is it a participle which would be life producer? But here's, here's a take that I, I did not, never thought of this. Let me read to you from one commentator from, from centuries ago. He said, Adam's condition was now one of death, but his wife thereby attained a higher value in his sight. Through her alone could human life be continued, and the woman's seed be obtained who was to raise up man from his fall. Genesis 3.15 While then women's punishment consists in the multiplication of her sorrow and conception, she becomes thereby only more precious to man. And while her desire is to her husband, Adam turns from his own punishment to look upon her with more tender love. He has no word of her, for her, her reproach. And thus we see the common interpretation of Genesis 3.12 is more than doubtful. Let me explain that. Because Genesis 3.12, I preached it many times. And it preaches. Remember, God approaches Adam about eating. And, and remember what Adam says? The woman thou gavest me. The blame shifting, right? I mean, that preaches. And we do like to, you know, we like to blame others, right? Notice in that one sentence, he's not just blaming Eve. He's blaming God. And I've always taken it, taken it that way. This interpretation says, oh, that's, that might not be the case. By the way, I love hearing other interpretations or other possible explanations for Scripture. Sometimes you and I get fixed on something and we think, I understand this perfectly. And you know what? That's not what Bereans do. Bereans search the Scriptures to see whether those things are so. So this commentator goes on. Adam throws no blame either on Eve or on his Maker, but he does feel not himself to blame. He rather means... How could I err in the following the one so noble in whom I recognize thy best and choicest gift? And he goes on to explain. In other words, here's a possibility. When Adam was talking about the woman you gave me, he, he was not disparaging her. He had viewed, based on other things in the text, he had viewed Eve as the perfect gift, God's wonderful gift you know the human race and so there's no there's no censure here there's just nothing but great esteem and so here he turns to her and calls her chava his life his compensation for his loss and the antidote for the sentence of death that's what eve was genesis 3:15 the promise of the seed, which would be Jesus Christ. And, and is it possible that Adam's view of Eve was not, it's her fault, she got us into this mess. But rather, he realized that she's, she's the only escape of mankind. I brought destruction and death into this world. And that's confirmed in the scriptures. But he looked at Eve rather as this exalted one who could, he couldn't, but this Eve could, and her seed could rescue society. In fact, then that's exactly what happened. Interesting. 
I want you to take your Bibles now. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 19. And while you're turning there, there's two, two examples in the New Testament where Jesus goes back to this account that we just read. In fact, after it lays out what I just told you, you know, the creation story, and in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, listen to what the Bible says. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Do you get what that's saying? The fact that someone's created in the image of God, it's not just, okay, men, again, men are the crowning achievement of God, and then women are an afterthought to take care of men's needs. No, men and women, men and women are created in the image of God. And Jesus would quote that. Look at Matthew 19 and verse 4. And Jesus is answering these critics that are trying to trip him up with these technical marriage questions. And in in Matthew 19 and verse 4, the Bible says, And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And then Mark chapter 10 and verse 6, Jesus said, But from the beginning of the creation... God made them male and female. You know, if you understand and you embrace the Bible's teaching about our origins, there will be no place for misogyny or misandry. You know what they are? Misogyny, misandry, the hatred of women, the hatred of men. There's a lot of that going on today. If you understand that we were both created in the image of God, there's not going to be any place for that. Men aren't going to hate women because both were created in the image of God. And women aren't going to hate men if they understand that our intrinsic value is we were created in the image of God. By the way, throughout the Scriptures, Genesis chapter 9 God puts a value on human life, whether someone's a follower of God or not. And he says, you take someone's, you take another human being's life, it's a whole different ballgame. Why? Because he was created, she was created in the image of God. And then in James chapter 3, even when it comes to us slandering one another, James uses that same foundation. He says, you know what? We don't, we, we're not going around slamming men and women who are made in the similitude of God. They're created in the image of God. That is our value. When you and I understand this, folks, this stuff's real. It puts our perspective of human beings on a whole different level. Human life is precious. And we're going to value that. You know, there's, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of a group called Adventures in Pur- with Purpose. A couple years ago, one or two scuba divers from uh, Oregon started getting, you know, and they wanted to clean up the environment. And uh, one guy in particular was a scuba diver, and he would go down and just clean up 
the waterways, rivers, and initially, and he, he started creating a YouTube channel. And I think this was like 2019. He would just show all the things that he uncovered, laptops, cell phones, hundreds of cell phones. People just toss them in the water. And, and he just got motivated to clean up. And as very expert scuba diver, as he began to do that, he, he saw these big things, cars. There's a lot of cars that people would throw in the wall, you know, just get rid of. And so he started to clean them up. And then one day, as he's going through and videotaping it, and he's removing a car, there was a human body in it. And, and all of a sudden, and this guy's not even a believer, but all of a sudden, that changed everything. All of a sudden, you know, he just, and if you watch it, it's, it's very moving. But he understood there's a human life that, was, that perished in this car. And by the way, this led to a movement. Just over the last two years, uh, all of a sudden, people started contacting him if they had loved ones who were missing and their cars were missing. And over the last two years, and it started a movement, over 30 people have been found, some of them that were lost 30 years ago. In March, they made their way to Delaware County. You know what's weird? If you had told me, like for the last 19 years, Hey, remember that missing guy? What was his name? Jimmy. Jimmy Amabile. Went missing in, I think, 2003. And his vehicle. Never to be heard from again. If you had told me that he was sitting at the bottom of Darby Creek for the last 19 years, I, I would have been like, what? Darby Creek? I see Darby Creek all the time. Most of it's so shallow. How could... And for 19 years, folks, this guy had... had he went to pick up babysitters, drove off the road accidentally, and he perished. By the way, I've, I've heard that up to 400 people lose their lives every year being trapped in their cars in water. And so here he is for 18 years at the bottom of Darby Creek. So in March, this group came in, used their sonar, and, and was able to recover him. And they've, again, over 30 people in the last two years. Have you heard of this, um, what was her name? Um, Danielle Imbo and Richard Patron. Have you heard that on the news? I think it was 2005, February 19, 2005, went missing and their vehicle. That has always puzzled me. What happened to them? Well, now this group is looking for them. And they're probably going to find them. But what is so amazing to me, if you, if you get a chance, I, I encourage you to, it's really, try and do it without crying. YouTube, Adventures with Purpose, they have all their recoveries. But it's interesting because a lot of times they'll just be doing a salvage effort, and then all of a sudden, Whenever there is a human life involved, it changes the demeanor of everything. There's automatically this, this respect. Automatically, it's put on a different level. 
and rightly so. You ever been to Arlington National Cemetery? I love, um, there's signs posted all throughout. It's just a graveyard, folks. But you know, there has been in our country an understanding that you respect human life and when someone dies, you look at the way we've always treated funerals. Funeral procession for years. If there's a funeral procession, nobody ever had a problem with it until the last few years. People are being less and less tolerant of showing respect to the dead. It's, it's amazing. Anyway, at Arlington, I love this. They set the tone. You know, if you've ever gone to Arlington National Cemetery, it's just a big cemetery. Bunch of tombstones, famous people, blah, blah, blah. Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And then there's these signs all over the place. Welcome to Arlington National Cemetery, our nation's most sacred shrine. Please conduct yourselves with dignity and respect at all times. Please remember that these are hallowed grounds. I remember reading that. I'm like, whoa. Whoa. That's good. And they have them all over. So I'm going through and I'm like, yeah. That sets the tone. It did for me. Now today, I can see somebody going there and think, it's just a bunch of dead people. I don't have to keep quiet. You know, because, but if you and I, if we have respect for life, there's something unique about human life. Man and woman created in the image of God. Totally separate than all other life. So, before mom came along, things weren't perfect. Don't forget that. Man is not the crowning achievement of God. Male and female is the crowning achievement of God. And I close with these two verses. The Bible, uh, in in, um, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, the Bible says there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then 1 Peter 3, 7, a challenge to husbands. And we need to be challenged, don't we, guys? It says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Wow. Guys, you know what? You're sweetie, you're honey. You and her, you are heirs together of the grace of life. My desire today, folks, is to honor moms, but especially the first mom. I want you to realize cows are so important, so special. We have been blessed at Bible Baptist Church to have such wonderful. Godly women. So grateful. You know, there have been times during Mother's Day where I would, I've only done this a couple times where I would take time and just mention each one of our wives or one of the women in our church and something that I appreciate. I haven't done that in a while. I might do that next time. But it's important, men, that you and I realize that your mother, the women in your life, are very special. They're a gift from God. 
So let's treat them that way today.